Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the DFS Army Fantasy Football Show. I'm your host, Shane Seal. You can follow me on Twitter at the Flex Network One. Today, I'm joined, of course, by Mike Dickinson. You can follow him on Twitter at Mike underscore Dickinson. Mike, what's going on, brother? Dude, what's going on? I'm glad you're up and about feeling a little bit better. We're, for the people, we're a little bit late today. Apologize for that. Um, Shane just got back from traveling. He was, where were you, dude? You were You were in the States, right? Yeah, it was my first cross-border move since uh, since this whole COVID shutdown thing, and um, I've gone well, pretty much well, literally this entire time without catching COVID. But lo and behold, she found me, man. She found me, <laughs> and uh, yeah, so I'm just battling with it. Last night was a little rough, and I'm just trying to get through it today. So the show must go on, Mike. And it absolutely must. Here. Yeah, absolutely. So, brother, um, we're today going to talk about. The rookies that are being drafted in the fantasy football redraft leagues or specifically underdog. It's, it's basically where we get most of our ADP data at this part of the season. But the truth is there's really not a lot. So the way that we kind of compartmentalize this was we were looking at guys that were being drafted in the top eight rounds. And we were going to discuss or we're going to discuss what players we actually like at those ADPs. Uh, ones we're going to fade. And then for pretty much anybody after round eight. It's going to be those honorable mentions, guys that we're, that we're looking to stack on our benches or just you know go for the upside play. So let's get right into it, Mike. I mean, really, at the top, we know this year, for those who are in Dynasty, which is pretty much everybody that we record with, uh, there was not a lot of sizzle at the top. But there was, of course, Brees Hall. And so Brees Hall is going right at ADP 48 as the RB19. And when you look at the running backs being drafted around him, uh, right ahead of him are Ezekiel Elliott, Travis Etienne, Cam Akers. Then there's, of course, Brees Hall. And then right after him is David Montgomery, J.K. Dobbins, and Josh Jacobs. So I feel like at that ADP, there really is a good opportunity with Brees Hall's talent. The only question, the only question is, will the Jets trust him to their be to be their workhorse. So, Mike, what do you what do you think? As RB nineteen, ADP forty eight overall, are you comfortable taking Brees Hall there? Uh this is probably going to shock you, but I am not. Ooh, um, interesting. Yeah. So, what I like to do this time of year is, if you listen to if you listen to Sirius XM at all, you know you're in your car. I'm in my car a decent amount. Um, yep. We we've been in we've been in rookies since about February and it's easy for us to get into these little echo chambers. So kind of what I like to do is I will turn off Sirius XM fantasy and turn on Sirius, Sirius XM NFL and try and yes. listen to it strictly from a, from an X's and O's from, you know, from guys that have been in the league and been around the league and are, and are more talking football rather than talking fantasy, because I think what we kind of get into here is we're like, Oh my God, Brees Hall is such a, is a much more talented and much more complete back than Michael Carter is. He's going to come in. He's going to win the three down role. And logic would suggest that. And if we've done any level of tape study, we would kind of, we would agree with that as well. The problem is though, that the early reporting coming out of the rookie OTAs and coming out of these, these OTAs is that, that that's not the situation to me. This feels like it's going to be a little bit more like what Javante Williams and Melvin Gordon was last year, where it's close to 50 50 some of the early stuff out of the rookie otas was saying that you know 
Hall's obviously the more talented back. He's the more complete back. He's bigger, but they just weren't going to use him in the in the beginning part of the season. So I feel like with the guys that are going around him, you know, and even yeah. I'm not sure where I'm not sure where Connor's going in 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 you know relative to him, but like you can get guys you can get guys around him there that are going to that are going to deliver for you. You know, from the from the get go, one of the things that we like to talk about, and as we talk about redraft strategies, one of the things that we like to talk about is is getting out ahead of it and starting fast. Obviously, if you start one and three in the first quarter of the season, it's fine. You can still come back from that, and you can still make the playoffs. But it looks a lot nicer. The coffee tastes better. Your wife thinks you're better looking. Your friends <laughs> admire you more if you start off four and zero. Like, there's nothing better than that. Starting off four and zero and be able yeah. to bring the hammer. It puts you in a strong position in your league mates and with your league mates, then you can make some different trades that you wouldn't be able to make at one and three. You're kind of trading desperate at four and oh, you're making moves that are locking you in for the, you know, for your, for uh, candidly for a playoff run. So I'm probably going to stay away from them in that ADP. I'd be more comfortable with them in the, in the, you know, in the sixth, seventh round around there. If I already yeah. have my solidified RB one and two to take a shot on them as an RB three, I, I did it with Carter, but Carter was cheaper last year. So it worked out for me there. And I, I overspent on Javante last year. I took him in like the fourth and fifth round in some leagues. And it it didn't kill me because I was able to work the wire, but it didn't work out the way that I thought it was going to. Yeah, I mean, so with that logic, I mean, 48, that's right around the 4-5 turn. You know, I talked about James Conner. James Conner's going at 33, which is right around the end of the third round. Oh, okay. So there's you, so you are going to have to pay a, a fair amount more. But, I mean, we've seen Ezekiel Elliott fall. We've seen Travis Etienne, who's a guy that I'm I'm definitely taking ahead of Brees Hall. But, man, I would even consider David Montgomery. I, I, would, I would 100%. Yeah. Yeah. Those guys. So I've been reading uh, – trying to do some uh, some offensive line and some offensive schematic reading and digging, doing yep. a little bit of research, putting in the research for you guys so that you guys don't have to do the research. And some of the reporting coming out of Chicago is that, you know, early in the, in the offseason free agency draft, nobody was really impressed with what Chicago was doing with their offensive line. Some of the reporting I've seen has been that, well, they're switching to – a zone blocking scheme. So they don't need the bigger, they don't need the bigger road graders. Think, you know, what Mike Shanahan did in Denver in the late nineties, early two thousands, kind of think what they did in Washington in the early part of the 2010s. So like you have, you don't need to be a stud running back and you don't need this massive offensive line to make it work. So I think the opportunity for Montgomery is going to be great. And I also like the fact that he's a very inexpensive, very clear handcuff in Khalil Herbert. Yeah, I mean, it's pretty obvious. That, and then Herbert stepped in. He was able to make a difference right away. So we like David Montgomery. I had a pretty solid. J.K. Dobbins is, is the guy coming after that. I'm pretty much out on J.K. Dobbins just with the whole injury concerns. Apparently, he's still not doing great. I mean, Dr. David Chow came out just this week, and he talked about how uh, it wasn't just the ACL. It was, the, was it LTL? The LCL, was yeah. The LCL. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, apparently, that's harder to 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 – come back from so that certainly worries me a little bit but look if you're not really taking Brees hall then you're would you take michael carter where he's been going like he's he's pretty much dirt cheap at this point he's going at 143 overall as the rb 46 to me that sounds well, like a steal so i think that i think that the strategy the play for the play for somebody who wants to have a Brees hall the play there is to say okay i'm gonna take him i'm gonna take him at that four or five turn it might be an overpay. It might not be an overpay, but Michael Carter is so cheap. 
I can jump two rounds over ADP on him, and then I can own that backfield. Yeah. And it might give you headaches for a couple of weeks, or honestly, it might give you it might give you a usable RB two and a usable flex piece in a couple of weeks. But I think that yeah. like you have to you have to be willing to offset the price of Brees Hall by jumping ADP with Michael Carter a little bit. Okay, no, that's fair enough. Uh, moving on, Ken Walker. He's no longer Kenneth Walker, Mike. He's Ken Walker. I saw he's that. Co- well, cutting those letters off his name makes him faster. He's gonna he's gonna no, be quicker true. out of his breaks. He's gonna be he's yeah, slick, man. That's right. Um, so he's going at eighty nine uh, overall as RB twenty nine, and that I mean it still seems like a pretty decent deal. But the biggest knock on Ken Walker pretty much this entire draft process was the fact that he hasn't shown the ability to catch the ball, and we know that the burning backs that catch the ball are so much more valuable in fantasy football. Um, and then you couple it to the fact that he's going to be on a very bad team, which means the Seattle Seahawks are probably going to be playing from behind a lot. And if you don't catch the ball, which in hurry up mode, that would be perfect. He doesn't do that. That's not his job. So are you in on Kenneth Walker, Ken Walker, or are you out at RB29? At RB29, I think this kind of gets into the territory where – you got to look at your roster. You look. At, you got to look at who else you have around you. I think that the thing with Ken Walker is that he's a he's an injury away from being from being from having that backfield. I don't know. It doesn't sound like Chris Carson is going to play again. And there's it sounds like there's a bunch no. of Jags kind of stacked up behind him. So the question is, how much do you leave, do you believe in Penny? What do you think the split's going to look like? Do you believe that Ken Walker could take the early down role, could take the first and second, and then Penny could be the third down back? Is it just going to be – is it going to be series for series? Is it going to be two series for Penny, one for Walker? I think that this is one of those situations where in June – we're recording this June 18th, 2022, the year of our Lord. Um, I don't know that we're really in a position where we can say, yes, he's a value at 60 at RB29, or no, he's not a value at RB29. I think that you kind of – if you're doing a bunch of these best balls or if you're in a bunch of redraft, I think you would kind of hedge a little bit. You would probably go – you'd probably go 60-40, 50-50, 55-45, somewhere in that neighborhood and say, okay, this early in the season, he's kind of cheap. So I'll take a shot on him because he has, you know, we've seen what he can do at Michigan state. He was, he was absolutely explosive there. I mean, he He was was a Heisman candidate, Mike, like he was a candidate and he got a fair number of votes. Yeah. He was a legit Heisman candidate and he set, he set yard. He was, he's third in the big 10 all time for yards after contact behind John Taylor and behind Melvin Gordon. So like the dude has pedigree, like he's legit. So the question is, do you think, how long do you think Penny's going to be a thorn in his side? Or do you think they're going to add somebody else? If we're having this conversation, August 15th, we have much more insight that we've gleaned through training camp, um, you know, through, through a pre through a couple preseason games, through coaches, through beat reporters, everything like that. So we're kind of, we're trying to kind of read the cards here. So I think, uh, in 65% of my drafts, 50 to 65% of my drafts, I would take the risk on him there. Again, you know, he's pennies. Penny's not super expensive to pay. So if you look at no. you, what do you, if you look at what you have to pay to get Walker and to get Penny to own that Seattle backfield, then it becomes a little bit more, it potentially becomes a little bit more enticing. Um, there was a, there was a time at the end of the year last year, I'm going to kind of speak out both sides of my mouth here. There was a time at the end of the year last year where Javante Williams and Melvin Gordon were both usable because they were both putting up 13 to 15 points a game. So you take one of them, 
in a PPR setup, you take one of them as your RB2, the other one slotted in as your flex play, and it's good. You know what you're going to get out of those two, and then you can build the rest of your you can build the rest of your lineup around it. Um, we may end up in a situation like this in Seattle because honestly, nothing about Drew Locke or Geno Smith inspires you at this point. They still might trade for a Jimmy G or for a Baker Mayfield, but it sounds like Watson's going to be out for the entire year. So maybe ba maybe Mayfield stays in. Cleveland. I don't know that that's possible, but I still don't think the quarterback issue is settled yet. So regardless though, I think that Carroll's going to want to run at 35 to 40 times a game. And I'm not exaggerating. Like I, I, yeah. I really think that he would be happy to run 35 times a game and throw 18 and have the slowest wow. offense ever in the history of the NFL. And, and Ken Walker will average like three yards a carry and it'll be abysmal, but he'll still get like a hundred yards a game. It's going to be crazy. But yeah. just as, like go back to your Watson comment. Isn't it hilarious? Like the, the headline came out this week. The NFL wants a severe penalty for Deshaun Watson. Well, it's like, well, you are the NFL. Like, of course you, you want to do it. Just do it. Um, yeah. Yeah. They have full autonomy. They can yeah, do whatever they want. Exactly. Uh, Rashad Penny, uh, just to put a bow on this, he's going as RB 37 at pick 115 overall. So you can easily double up and get both players. Um, until they have a competent quarterback, though, um, uh, Jimmy G's out there. I think that, uh, look, that Seattle's producers come out and said they don't want Baker Mayfield. So fine. Baker may be candidate to go to Carolina, but Jimmy G is a capable quarterback that can run an offense. And I would be a hell of a lot more comfortable with pretty much. Every skill position player, uh, be it Tyler Lockett, DK Metcalf, Ken Walker, um, if they had a guy like Jimmy Garoppolo running that offense. Now, the thing about Rashad or Rashad Penny is that he actually like he he contributed to people winning leagues last year. Down the stretch, he was a top three or four RB. And so, man, it's it's tough. It's very tough. Generally speaking, I'm going to be like young and diversify a little bit, um, and hope for the best listen you, you don't have to pay the king's ransom right like yes it's about an eighth round pick to get ken walker but that's still not too pricey when you compare it to what you have to pay for Brees hall um just a few of these other rookie running backs that are going shortly after him the next guy is, is james cook going as rb 34 at 107 overall damian pierce as rb 40 at 129 and the rashad white at rb 42 131 overall uh i think you and i are both on the pro james cook camp so yeah. to me, I've, it's I've like, come around. <laughs> yeah, man. I mean, him and Devin Singletary are literally back to back at pick, uh, pick 106, 107, RB33, RB34. Now, to me, Devin Singletary is simply, he's just a guy. He's a definition of just a guy. And yes, he played well again down the stretch run for your fantasy football playoffs last year. But James Cook, man, he's a different level of talent than Devin Singletary. He's a complete package. And they're the same bloody size. So people that are worried about James Cook carrying a workload, well, Devin Singletary can't do it either. So um, do you like taking James Cook at that ADP or, or perhaps Damian Pierce, James White, or maybe somebody else? Tell me about No, I, about that. I love James Cook at that ADP. I also really like Damian Pierce at that ADP too, though. I mean, that's that's a situation where that I think he's set up to just take that backfield. David Johnson is – David Johnson's nosing around some really odd – some odd teams. He doesn't sound like they have any interest in bringing him back. You worry about what that offense is going to look like. I think it could just be absolutely dismal. Like I, the, I don't know what the heck they're doing. It sounds like they're changing the entire offensive scheme. Um, so you worry about that a little bit, but I think Pierce is going to get the opportunity. I've seen some projections that have him projected for as many as 215 touches. So if you're getting an art running back, that's, that's getting 215 touches at, you know, at, at 41, 42, it's a great spot to be in. I think what 
I think more, more often than not, I would tend to lean Cook because probably I'll have three running backs at this point to have Cook as your fourth running back in a good in a great offense what you know i think we talk about the bills as possibly being the best offense in the league next year everybody yes. has them everybody has them at least in contention for for a super bowl run again you know they're going to win the, they're probably going to win the nfc east they're probably going to go deep into the playoffs so they they're a very very good offense and this coaching staff drafted him for a reason they they spent a third round pick on him um I think from that standpoint, you you I would tend to I would tend to lean Cook a little bit more. But I mean, if you end up if you go if you go wide receiver heavy early and you somehow want to grab an elite tight end or you want to grab an early quarterback, grabbing Pierce as your three at that point in time isn't terrible. Also, a lot of it depends on roster construction and your appetite for what you're going to get out of them. Do you think Marlon Max is going to be the starter in Houston, or do you think it'll be Pierce? I think that what'll happen is. Remember the remember the game where they played the Giants and David Johnson was the starter and played a snap and then Chase Edmonds went absolutely ham and Arizona yeah. Cardinals came yeah. out and tweeted, you should have started Chase Edmonds in fantasy. Well, David Johnson was active and he was a starter, so get Ben Arizona Cardinals Twitter. Yeah. I think that might be the situation where like, yeah, Marlon Mack is the starter. He's the number one on the depth chart. He's in there for the first series, but I think it's going to be one of those situations where, like, there's a reason Marlon Mack is in the position that he's in. Yeah, he's gotten injured, but it didn't. It wouldn't have taken much for Indy to bring him back. I mean, hell, they they let him go and brought Philip Lindsay in. So, like, what does that tell you about? And they've had they've had Mack in the building for a while. So, what does that tell you about their evaluation of him? I've never been a Lindsay guy, but apparently they like Lindsay more than they like Marlon Mack. So I don't, that's if you're a Marlon Mack truther, that scares you. If you're a Damian Pierce truther, I don't think it scares you too much. He, both things could be true. Mack could be the true starter, but Pierce could yeah. be the better back to own. Yeah, no, that's interesting. Um, and you mentioned about David Johnson and the thing about David Johnson, like he was just at New Orleans and didn't, they weren't quote <clears throat> able to get a deal done, but New Orleans is Alvin Kamara who, could face a suspension this year. Next man up is Mark Ingram, who is older than Sin, and then Alec Pierce, who I like, but he was an undrafted free agent this year as a rookie. So um, if David Johnson can't make it there, he ain't going to make it anywhere. Say New York City, man. Um, <laughs> what about what about some of his late dart throws, like uh, Tyler Algier, Tyrion Davis-Price, Brian Robinson? Um, are any of these guys is like the last pick of your draft, guys you, that you would like to take? Yeah. So, um, listening to, listening to the podcast that Alan Sazlowski did, the Rotowire podcast that Alan did with Jordan McNamara, he talks about when you're building your dynasty roster, you want to build it with one away running backs. And I think that as you get towards your late rounds, I think it makes more sense to build your, to add these one away running backs to your roster. So like clearly Elijah Mitchell is the starter in San Francisco, but you know, depending on what we hear about what we hear coming out of camp, it could be that that TDP is running as the number two. In that situation, Mitchell's probably going to get hurt, so it makes sense to grab TDP later. Um, Tyler Algier, a hundred percent, it makes sense. You know, we don't know we don't know how that situation is going to play out. I don't think that they're going to run Cordero Patterson out of the backfield as much, so I think that Algier is going to get a lot of run. You know, and then you look at Brian Robinson. I think Brian Robinson is going to have a role. Like it sounds like this this backfield is going to get even murkier and frothier than it was last year. And I think that in that situation, this is I've kind of taken this from uh, from the likes of Bob Harris. If it's going to be a committee like that, then give me the cheapest piece and let me take that piece 
piece and I'll take that piece of the bank. So like, if you're going to get Brian Robinson as, you know, in the, in the last three rounds of your draft, I would hundred percent take that. That's pro- that's probably where JD McKissick was going last year. And you look yeah. at what he did for you. Yeah. I, I like uh, Zemir White uh, in, in Las Vegas yeah. as, as a, yep. a, a dart throw. And again, it's about one injury away. So um, obviously Josh Jacobs is going to be the starter. Zemir White, they got Kenyon Drake as well. Uh, uh-huh. Look, here's the thing. Zemir White is, in my opinion, very similar to skill to Josh Jacobs. What we saw last year was that the uh, Vegas Raiders were finally getting, like, using Jacobs in the passing game, averaging about three to four reception or targets per game, which was huge. It made a huge difference on his fantasy football production. But Zemir White, he can catch the ball. He's athletic. He comes from a, a high guard pedigree program with Georgia. And look, he's dirt cheap. He's nobody's really talking about it because he didn't really get drafted very high. So he's one of those players where, yeah, I mean, I like TDP as well, but Zamir White to me, I'm taking Zamir White over Brian Robinson just because, yes, you're saying it's getting murkier in Washington, but uh, Antonio Gibson is still good. And of course, they brought back JD McKissick. So um, it, it's not one guy away, it's two guys away to where he's actually getting um, meaningfully meaningful touches because I just don't see them playing Brian Robinson in. The red zone, right? Whereas Amir right could get red zone touches early because that's what that's the kind of role that he is. And uh to me, it's like okay, Josh Jacobs gets hurt, Zamir right could slot right in and and they wouldn't miss a beat. I don't know. They they did some crazy stuff last year. Like they had in in their in some of their hurry up situations or in their four minute drill, they had McKissick on the field instead of Gibson. So I, I don't I see what you're saying, but I, I could absolutely see situations where they make Brian Robinson their short yardage, you know, their, their short yardage third down and their and their red zone back. It might not be now if you're going to score from further out, that's Gibson and that's McKissick. But if they get inside the seven, I, I think that Robinson might have a role as scary as that is, as terrible as that is. But that, that is, to your point, that that leads you to stay away from it. Then it's it's super murky. Yeah, the other thing about so Beer White too that I like is he's got he was the number one running back coming out of high school. Like he was the top of the class coming out of high school. He was the five star of five star recruits. He had the two ACLs, um, but you know you look at the way that yeah, and Shane, you're a New England fan. You look at the way New England has handled their running backs. You have to think that that uh, McDaniels is going to bring some of that with him. And, you know, it could be, it could be a committee, you know, it could be that Jacobs fills, Jacobs fills the, uh, the Damian Harris role. And then you see the James, what would be the James White role. If James White was fully healthy, that could go to Zamir White, or it could be vice versa. My, my guess would be that Jacobs fills the early down role and Zamir becomes the passing, the, uh, the passing down guy. So he could be relevant early on. Yeah, I mean, look, Brian Robinson was was drafted in day two. He's three point three four, so one of those compensatory picks. And he's two hundred twenty five pounds. He's a big dude, six two, two hundred twenty five. That's big for That's a running back. Boy. So, so maybe you're right. There you go. Maybe they they say, you know what, AG, we like you, but we we don't want you to get into the end zone. We don't want you to hurt that ankle again this year. So you know what, all those high collision touches, we're gonna give to Brian Robinson. Um, yeah. Yeah. Just even talking through it, man. I'm so out on any of those players. Like. Uh, yeah. Take Brian Robinson as, as like the cheap one, like you said, the last one. I, I like that. Rob Harris, he's good at his job. He really is. He's a Hall of yeah. Famer for a reason. He's a Hall of Famer for a reason. Exactly. Let's move on to the wide receivers, okay? Because um, there are a few wide receivers that are being drafted high up on the on in, in draft boards, uh, but really it's three wide receivers, which the third one might shock you a little bit. But Drake London, he's going as wide receiver 33. 
Traylon Burks is wide receiver 38. And Sky Moore is the next rookie wide receiver being drafted ahead of Chris Olave and Garrett Wilson at 43 overall. So let's talk about the the one uh, guy in the Twin Towers there over in Atlanta. Drake London, 68 overall, wide receiver 33. Uh, were you are you Drake London? Is he your top wide receiver? Um, no. rookie prospect this year. Nope. No, who it's been who is? it's it's been Olave. Still, even after everything. Yeah, I I think I think even more so now. Like I think that I just tend to like I like the the smaller the smaller guys the smaller quicker guys rather than the bigger body guys. Um, and I think that some of, we'll talk about this with Burks, but I think some of the information that you're seeing come out of Tennessee with Burks and his struggles. I think that that's kind of what scares you about those big body guys. Like everything Olave has been as advertised and has been better than advertised. I think that in that situation, I've I've gone on record. I'm going to go on record again saying, I don't think that Michael Thomas plays another snap for the New Orleans saints. I think he doesn't want to play for them. I think he's going to slow play his rehab. And I think that he's going to, he's going to be out of there at the end of the year. So I think that Olave steps in as the one he's learning from one of the best to ever do it in Jarvis Landry from a technical standpoint obviously he's not of the ilk of the jerry rice and those guys but like landry is a technician he's been doing it for a long time and he does it really well so like i i and it's i i'm interested to see what the offense looks like it's the i think it's the same oc that's been there for 17 years he's been under peyton but he peyton's not calling plays this year so this offense is this offense is cheap like winston is cheap olave's cheap landry's cheap like it's you get it's easy to get into this. It's easy to get access to this offense, and it could be pretty potent offense. Do you have an opinion on Dennis Allen or a new head coach? I don't. I don't know enough about him to have an opinion one way or the other. I like that he's been in the building for a long time. I like yeah. the continuity. I like that he kept the offensive staff. I think it's going to look a little bit different. I think that Sean Payton kept the reins on a lot, and I think that there were areas where I think. Uh, the offense wanted to go and he just said, I'm not going to take it there. I think that the Taysom Hill experiment is finally done. Thank God. And we see him as a tight end Uh, as a, as a side note, I'm picking him up uh, as a second tight end late, late, late in drafts um, that, that I'm doing just because he's probably going to have some semblance of a role. He's going to have some probably wildcat hybrid role. And if he throws for a touchdown in any given week, especially in a best ball setting, like that could be a huge difference maker out of the tight end spot. Okay, that's actually super sharp because Adam Troutman, he's basically going free, but Taysom Hill is basically free too. You know what? I don't have any Taysom Hill. I'm going to have to start adding a little bit to my portfolio, as it were. I think that's smart. I think that's really smart. Uh, Look, I I have a few shares of Drake London, Mike, but I would say I'm probably underweight on him, right? I like Drake London. Like, shoot, like we talked about, what was it, in eight games, he put up just these astounding numbers, but these big body players, they struggle with injuries. And like, are we going to trust Marcus Mariota, Desmond Ritter? Like Desmond Ritter's not ready to start in the NFL. Mm -hmm. Um, Marcus Mariota fizzled out. I mean, you say he is, but he's not. Let's call it what it is. If he was, he would have been a first round pick or even a second round pick. He fell into the third round. So, I think that, uh, look, it's sketchy. It's very sketchy this year. The truth is, if Atlanta knew what the hell they were doing, they wouldn't have taken a tight end at four overall last year than Drake London this year. Uh, they would have they would have built from the trenches out. But, hey, we, we, we're here now. And the story for Drake London is he's going to get a ton of targets because there's not a lot of target competition out there, right? Um, 
But at the same time, I think it's going to be a low productive offense. There's probably not going to, he's not going to score a lot of touchdowns. So what's what's a realistic line for Drake London, Mike? Probably like seventy receptions. Yeah, I was going to say sixty. I was going to say sixty-five, sixty-five, seventy for about yeah. eight, fifty and five. Yeah, exactly. Which is what well, that would be a, a wide receiver three at best. He's going yeah. as wide receiver thirty-three, so it's like he's in that category. But at sixty-eight overall. He's going around the likes of he's going just after um, Elijah Moore and Elvin Ross St. Brown, and he's going just before Devonta Smith. Who, yeah, I'd probably take a Drake London there. Uh, Michael Thomas were out on Adam Thielen. You know what? It's actually interesting when you look at it. There's a huge teardrop after Drake London, um, so that would probably be that, that's an interesting part of the draft. Pick 68 overall. That's what I'm. That's you look at the running backs. You're in the dead zone. You look at the wide receivers. I'm like, do I really want to go Drake London or do you want to go elite quarterback? You can get quarterbacks in that range. That's probably the yeah. sweet spot to take those quarterbacks. Like yeah. um, Jalen Hurts is going right around them. So that's yeah, probably I've been, the play right there. My entire I've I've been playing fantasy. I've only been playing fantasy since 2015. I've always been a late quarterback guy. Like I always like to play quarterback chicken in the draft room and see if I can be the last one to take a quarterback <laughs> yeah. or not. Um, I think that this year I'm gonna pivot off of that. And there's I want to get one of those one of those top four guys. I think I want to get an an Allen, a Mahomes, a Burrow, or a Herbert. I think I want to have I want to have exposure to those guys in my in my redraft leagues. And I probably don't want to pay the price for an Allen or a Mahomes because those no. guys are going like third, fourth. But I think that Burrow and Herbert are going to settle into that sweet spot that we're talking about in the you know the the sixty to seventy two range, kind of in that in that five six territory, right around there. And I think that if you can go if you can go stud running back, receiver, 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 running back. So you have your you have two running backs, three stud receivers, and then you come back with an elite, an elite quarterback right there. And especially yeah. like if you grab Keenan Allen as your wide receiver too, and then come back with Justin Herbert as your quarterback. Oh, that's juicy. That's juicy, juicy, juicy. Yeah, it's, I like that a lot. That's so there you go. Yeah. I mean, like Drake Clinton, he's an, he's a fair value when you look at the guys being drafted after him. Um, we don't like value though. But we don't like value. We like, yeah, we like leveraging value to build our rosters. Yeah, exactly. So I, we're probably out on Drake Lennon. Look, I'll be honest with you, Mike. Um, Traylon Burks right now, if, if if you're in drafts right now, I'm saying don't draft Traylon Burks right now because the more news that comes out that he's out of shape, that he's not participating in these mini camps, the more his, his ADP is going to continue to fall. And when he's probably in rounds 8, 9, 10, that's when I'm a lot more comfortable drafting Traylon Burks. Now, this could be to my detriment, but... Because I was, I'm a huge Traylon Brooks fan. I liked a lot what he did at Arkansas in college. Fun guy to watch. He's he needs a smart coaching staff, and I'm not entirely convinced that the Tennessee Titans are going to be able to do that. Right? Um, AJ Brown was hyper efficient in that low passing volume offense last year, and while we like Traylon Brooks's yards after the catch ability, uh, it, it's 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 dicey, man. To, to to be asking him to step in and take over for AJ Brown as a wide receiver one in that offense when he's missing all this time in practice in the preseason, it's worrisome to me. So I'll be honest with you, love Traylon Burks. I have a fair number of shares of him in Dynasty. I'm probably out of him at this ADP at 76 overall in, in these drafts. What do you think? Yeah, I agree. I think for me, he's more of a, a ninth, tenth round guy. If he's there, if he's hanging out there, then I'm I'm down. I'm, I'll grab him because at that point, he's probably your wide receiver five or six. He doesn't really need to be productive. If he pops, he pops, and it it that's great at that price. Uh, but I'm probably at his current ADP. I'm probably out on him. That I mean, you saw 
that problem with AJ Brown last year is that he was streaky too. Now he, he got yeah. hot at the right time. Like he helped you at the end of the season, but like, that's scary. I think, I think that these guys are much better NFL guys. They're much more appealing from an NFL standpoint than they are from a fantasy standpoint. Like, I, and I'm, I know that Brandon loves AJ Brown, but like he's so driven by efficiency that eventually that's going to go away and he's going to regress into the, the wide receiver two territory. That doesn't mean that from a physical standpoint and from a talent standpoint, he's not yeah. one of the most talented wide receivers in the NFL. What that means is that the way that he's utilized relies on that efficiency and ev- eventually that efficiency goes away. Versus yeah. somebody who's who's a strong technical route runner like that that skill set stays with you longer than relying on that hyper efficiency. Well, it would, it would be one thing if Adrian Brown showed that he could be healthy, but he hasn't finished an entire damn season since he's been in the league, which has been insane. Um, and the problem with Adrian Brown is he went from one low passing volume offense to another yeah. at, uh, at Philadelphia. So. It's that that's tough. Um, speaking of a low volume, what about the opposite? A high passing volume offense. The next wide receiver being drafted, guy that we love, but man, the his rise has been insane. Sky Moore going to his wide receiver 43, pick 89 overall. So right around that that, <clears throat> that eighth round. Love Sky Moore. What do you think? Juju Smith-Schuster's still there. He's going to pick uh, 57 as wide receiver 29 overall. Do you think Sky's gonna step in and be able to make an instant impact with Patrick Mahomes? I I think it's this possibility. Like, I don't think that I think that that offense is going to be much more spread out this year, which again, leads me to believe that I want access to whatever the cheapest piece is going to be. So Kelsey's yeah. not the cheapest piece. Juju's not the cheapest piece. Sky Moore is probably going to be the cheapest piece so that if you can, as you work into these later rounds, eight, nine, 10, 11, you look at, look at what you think is going to be a high volume offense and try and get access to that easily and inexpensively. So if you, if you're relying on sky Moore to be your wide receiver three, that's probably not the best strategy, but if you're relying on him to be your wide receiver four or even maybe a five, I think that's great. I think that probably what'll happen is as we get, as we get into camp, some of the, some of the rookie polish shine, you know, the, the shine of the rookie comes off him a little bit and he'll start to drop. I think the juju will start to rise just because there's a learning curve going in the NFL, man. Like, I think we're kind of spoiled by the Justin Jeffersons and the Mar- and the Jamar Chases of the world and even the Amon Ra St. Browns of the world. Like those guys came in, uh, Amon Ra did it later in the season, but like Jamar Chase and Justin Jefferson had immediate and significant impact from day one. And I just don't think that, I don't think coming from a small, a small school like Skymore came from, I don't know that that's, I don't know that he's going to be able to do that. I think there's going to be a learning curve. I think he's with the perfect quarterback and coaching staff for that. And I think he's going to have a great career. I think having this conversation this time next year, he's probably, we're probably going to be talking about him in the third or fourth round. And I think we're going to be comfortable doing that because they'll probably move on. They'll keep MVS as a, as a speed threat on the outside. Um, Sky Moore will be their guy that operates on the inside, you know, and will be Kelsey will be a year closer to, to to retirement. So I think that this conversation this time next year looks different, but it's it's I, I'm I'm good with it at this at this price this year. Remind me, Juju was a one year deal, right? Juju was a one year so, deal. So, it was significant. I think it was it was it was it was a it was a eight figure deal, but it was it's only a one year deal. Yeah, I think that uh, look, Sky could be the wide receiver one in that offense next year. That's very real. You talk about small school. He was from Western Michigan. Um, look, do you, do you think that I, I, th- I'm, I believe he's a better football player today already than 
in Marcus Velda Scatling. MVS is good at one thing, one thing only. Mm-hmm. Getting deep down the field. Skymore has a talent and the ability to do pretty much everything. He can play X, he can play slot. He might be more suited for the slot role, but he can do it all. He could probably play outside, just like we saw Elijah Moore last year do it, right? Where he's a smaller player, but he was able to play on the play to play X. So Sky certainly has that range of outcomes. MVS is going a few uh picks after at 96 is why we're super 47. I have zero MVS shares. I mean, maybe in best ball, I should probably get a few of those, but out. Um, yeah. And then Nicole Harbin is basically undrafted. I mean, as he should be 60. Who cares? Screw yeah. Screw off. Even Andy um, right. doesn't care. Yeah. So let, let's let's move on to some of these other ones. Actually, just sorry. One last point about Sky Moore. I would yep. ret- much rather take Sky Moore as a wide receiver forty three in round eight or round eight if he falls around nine. Then I would then taking Drake London as wide receiver thirty three or Traylon Brooks at thirty eight. So I'm I'm yeah. I would rather wait and take Sky Moore. Yeah. Um, Okay, so then this is one that's a little bit surprising. Crystal Lave as wide receiver 48, Garrett Wilson as wide receiver 49. You yeah. talked about Crystal Lave. I agree with you. I feel like he's criminally undervalued right now because the general public seems to believe that Michael Thomas is going to be able to step in. But we we were talking offline just the other day about we, there was this video of Michael Thomas doing box jumps on his uh, sore ankle, re- recovering his sore ankle. And he looked, I mean, like, He's, he's rehabbing. Delivering. He's still rehabbing. I know. Two years later. Yeah. It's insane. I yeah, I think that with where I think with where Olave is, and this is where as this is where I talk about this is why I'm this is why I talk about pivoting off of fantasy and pivoting to actual NFL. Look, reading yeah. the beat, you know, watching the beat reporters. Um, if you can get with some follow some good, there's a lot of good fantasy doctors that are out there. Doc, we, uh, Shane mentioned Dr. David Chow. There's a couple other fantasy injury accounts that track all this stuff. Like, keep an eye on that stuff. Like, this is the time of year where you can put in a little bit of research and get a leg up on your league. So, like, I'm sure that as we get into training camp the the beat reporters will try and talk rosy about michael thomas oh he's coming along he's just going to be on pup he's going to be back week six so his price will stay where his price will drop a little bit but he'll still be drafted ahead of olave and landry and it'll be a mistake but because you've been doing your work because you've been doing your research you know that he's not in good shape you know that he hasn't been in good shape for the last two years and you know he's he, he ain't playing so taking olave there is is money garrett wilson i think that I think it's a fair price for him. Um, I think because Olave is undervalued, it, it 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 taints it a little bit. But I think that that's a fair price for Garrett Wilson. I don't have the faith in Zach Wilson that Brandon does. Brandon thinks he's a he's a Brett Favre type gunslinger, which he might be, but I don't know that he has the arm talent or he has the savvy and the polish to be able to fit it in those type of windows. So I think that the Jets are going to be a kind of they're going they're kind of going to be an unpredictable offense at the beginning of the season. They're going to run it a lot. You're going to see a lot out of Brees Hall. You're going to see a lot out of Michael Carter. Um, obviously, Elijah Moore isn't going anywhere. And then you got Garrett Wilson. So in any given week, Garrett Wilson could be the, the first option or he could be the fourth option. I think he'll be closer to the first or second option more often than he's the third or fourth option. But like that's a that whole range of outcomes is possible. The other thing you got to look at, too, is you know playing playing in the NFC East. The NFC East has – well, I don't know if if New England has a true shutdown corner now, but the NFC East has at least two of the three teams have true shutdown corners. You know, you have you have Zadarius White and you have Xavier Howard in Miami. So, is Garrett Wilson going to see shadow coverage from those guys? If he is, then I, I, I'm kind of backing off him a little bit and I'm pushing in towards Elijah Moore. 
Yeah, what worries me so much about the Jets offense in general is I I was not in on Zach Wilson last year. And frankly, the weeks that Elijah Moore went off, wasn't it Mike White that was in? Like, remember that the Mike White experiment? Like, it was Mike White, and then they brought Joe Flacco back. And Flacco, oh, yeah, yeah. Flacco, Flacco fed Carter and Moore too. Flacco's so, still there. He is still there, and it looks they're going to give Zach Wilson every opportunity to show that he is the second overall pick that that they think he was. Right. The problem is, is I don't buy into it. I just don't buy it. Now I'm getting shares of this offense because I love Garrett Wilson. He was my top ranked wide receiver before the draft, and I love Elijah Moore, obviously. Right. So we're getting shares of it. I love Brees, I love Brees Hall, and I love um, Michael Carter as well. I love all the skill position players. I yeah. don't like the quarterback, and that worries me. But uh, look, he was drafted at two overall, maybe for a reason. Maybe it's just the Jets being the Jets. But Garrett Wilson is wide receiver forty nine. I like the value here as just he's he's at this point he's at your bench. He's not a bench option. Um, I read reports. Are, the, I read reports but, that the Jets were trying to trade for Russ Wilson this this offseason when they heard he became available. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that that tells you everything you need to know. They drafted they drafted Zach Wilson at two, but they they ain't that into him. Yeah, but I mean, it's not—it's not really fair to say that, right? Just because, like, I—I I still firmly believe that Baker Mayfield is at least an average quarterback in the NFL. Maybe like the off-field stuff, the personality rubs people the wrong way. But if you can, if you have an opportunity to upgrade, you should do it. And it's Russell Wilson. Maybe he's not what he was five years ago, but he is clearly, definitively better than Zach Wilson. And there's a reason Seattle said, "Ah, uh, no thanks." Andana, andana. Um, okay. Moving on, uh, the next two guys drafted Christian Watson at wide receiver 53. I'm just going to come out and say it. I'm out on Christian Watson. Yeah. I've got a few shares of him just basically because of the price, but I he's so raw, and Aaron Rodgers was throwing the ball to him a little bit uh, this offseason so far, which is good. But I just don't. I just feel like that that offense is going to be it's going to be very disappointing. Um, I, I'm out on Christian Watson. Jameson Williams, same deal. He could start the, the he's going as five receiver 57 at 121 overall. He could start the season on pop. So if you're taking him in best ball, fine. But in your regular redraft leagues, he's just gonna be a roster clogger. So I like Jameson Williams. He to me, he's got like like the the most Jalen Waddle type range of outcomes this year in terms of just like that that immediate impact. Um, but he's injured and he's not he hasn't been practicing. So as far as I'm concerned, the season's a write-off. I what? get I get bad vibes from Jamison Williams. Like I just I, I don't know why. I I know that he's because he scowls. His, we haven't seen him smile once since he was drafted. Yeah, and and like I think that they're building. They've added a lot of pieces to that offense. I think that they're they're I, just something something about Jamison Williams doesn't give me doesn't give me warm and fuzzies. Like I feel I can feel that Olave is going to have a huge role, even when Jamison Williams comes back. I don't know if they, that he's going to have that big of a role. To me, what it looks like is they signed Chark to a one year deal, and then they drafted they drafted Jamison Williams because they knew they could let Chark walk after last year. And those guys are the same player. Chark in Jacksonville was awesome when you know when Urban Meyer was not there and when Chark was healthy, he yeah. was phenomenal. But this is a different this is a different offense with different weapons. I mean, you got Amara St. Brown, you got you got Swift, you got um, you got T.J. Hawkinson, and then you got and then you have. Jamison Williams or DJ Chark, whoever's going to be, whoever's going to be that, that, that X receiver. And I think that 
he's going to have his blow up weeks. I think he's a much better best ball play. I think the savvy play here is if you're going to draft him, if you got a league with IR spots, I think you draft him in the 10th, 11th round. Maybe you draft him a half around or a half around ahead of his ADP stash him in your IR spot and then pick up somebody off the waiver wire. Cause the waiver wire is going to be chalked this year. Yeah, no, that, that, I think that's sharp. Yeah. If you've got IR spots, that, that's a different story, but if you don't have IR spots, like a lot of, redraft leagues don't have IR spots nowadays. Maybe they'll have like that COVID spot, but yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, really it's, it, I don't want him on my roster because he's going to be a roster clogger. And then what? So say he's out six weeks, he's put on the pup week seven. Are you going to be comfortable starting him? You want to see something first. What if he has a slow week seven? Cause it's his first game back first game ever in the NFL. I guess I'm a week eight. No, that's eight weeks. That's half the season pretty much gone. And yeah. to me, that's just too damn risky, man. Um, okay. These next two guys we're going to talk about, and then we can talk about your honorable mentions. But back-to-back, we got Jahan Dotson as wide receiver 65 at 141 overall, and Jalen Tolbert as wide receiver 66 at 144 overall. Jahan Dotson, look, I get Terry McLaurin is not in camp right now because he's holding out. Washington pay Terry McLaurin, for God's sakes, just pay the damn man. Um, But Jahan Dotson, man, he, like, name the superlative. He's been described as just electric, uh, amazing chemistry with Carson Wentz, like every positive vibe you can get, which is still training camp, still the off season. So take that with a grain of salt, but it certainly, certainly beats the alternative, like the Nikhil Harry's of the world, where it's like, Oh, this undrafted free agent is beating out this first round pick. So Jahan Dotson, man, at wide receiver 65, we talk about like that, that lottery ticket. Fuck. I'm in, man. I love Jahan. What's Dotson. the, there's no downside. Like there's literally no downside. You're going to turn those bottom spots on your roster anyway. So like, all right, so you're going to take him or you're going to take a, a second or a third tight end. You're going to take him or you're going to take a second or a third quarterback. Like take him. If he's a lottery ticket and he hits great. If he sucks, drop him and pick somebody else up. Like you yeah. should be active on your wire and you should not value. You should not value those back end roster spots. You should turn them, turn them, turn them every single week. Jahan Dotson is not a big dude, but he plays big. He's got a, he seemingly he creates a a wide um, catch radius, and he he knows how to separate. And we talked about it uh, earlier in the show, but like these big body wide receivers, they tend to break down faster. But Jahan Dotson, he's going to be one of these players that he's going to get better as he ages. Like he's he's going to become one of those route technicians that we talk about in two or three years in the NFL as one of the best in the NFL. Book it. I guarantee it. It's going to happen. There's a reason that, that even though we went to a small school, they reached on him. No, he went to uh, Penn State. He didn't go to a small school. Oh, Penn State. Okay, yeah, you're right. You're right. I, I, I don't. It's not one of these like, it's not the Alabamas of the world. It's not the Ohio States of the world. But it's still, yeah. I mean, and you look at you look at the pedigree of of Penn State slot receivers. Now, Allen Robinson's not a slot receiver. Allen Robinson came out of there. Chris Godwin yeah. came out of there. KJ Hamler came out of there. KJ Hamler has had his injuries and he hasn't really popped. But like, he was a great prospect coming out of there. And then Jahan Dotson was right behind him. So like, you look at that lot, that lineage and those guys that will come out of there. That, that there's a there's a lot behind uh, behind Jahan Dotson. Yeah. Okay. Fair enough. Fair enough. And look, he's got some draft pedigree, so they're, they're going to use him. He's yeah. showing why he was drafted in the first round pick. So I love Jahan Dotson there. What about Jalen Tolbert? Do you think Jalen Tolbert's going to walk in as a wide receiver too on Dallas? I think he's got a shot too. I mean, who else is there? They have. Uh, they let Cedric Wilson go. Cedric Wilson is now down in Miami, Miami. and then yeah. and James Washington is James Washington is there. It's basically and, yeah, James Washington, CD Lab, Gallup's yeah. injured for the first. 
bit of the season. I mean, Dalton yeah, Schultz is obviously there. I think they're going to use Tony Pollard out more. Um, like I, I think we'll see Ezekiel Elliott and Tony Pollard on the field at the same time. So they're going to be creative, I would suggest. Yeah, but Jalen Tolbert was a beast. I mean, he was a he was a beast at uh, at the Senior Bowl. Um, he he's his workout metrics were good, and I think that I think that he's gonna if he goes in there, he's gonna have a he's gonna have the opportunity to earn a role. Obviously, you know, you talked about. I think Gallup's gonna be sitting out a decent amount of camp. He'll he there's a chance he may even start on the pup list. James Washington is just a guy. Dalton Schultz is having his contract issues. I, th- I guess he showed up for the for the last part of the mandatory OTAs, and he'll probably be at camp. Yeah. But and he's he's a favorite target of of Dax. But you know, with where you're again with where you're getting him in the the wide receiver sixty range, like it it's absolutely worth a shot on the back end of your roster. I love it. Yeah, to be Jalen Tolbert, he's he's the Dallas Cowboys play fast. They're going to continue to play fast this year, and with with lots of passing becomes opportunity and look at the, at the cost Jalen Tolbert. Um, I, I generally like to say like take running backs at, at the end of your bench, but it's, it's pretty tempting with some of these rookies. Like I, I like the idea of, of, of stashing Jalen Tolbert, Jahan Dawson, um, Zemir White. Like that's what we're doing with these rookies at this stage. So is there anybody else that you want to talk about? I mean, there's guys we could talk about like Alec Pierce, George Pickens, David Bell. None of these guys I'm going to advocate drafting in your Typical redraft leagues. You want to take a uh, a shot on them in your best balls, all for it. But I mean, really, there's there's risk for every one of these guys, right? Or they're buried on depth charts. So yeah, th- the only guy that I would say, you know, last pick of the draft, instead of taking a second kicker or a second defense or a third quarterback, yeah. I, <clears throat> I might give some give some shots to Wandale Robinson. Yeah, he was dra- he was drafted by this regime. They love him. We all think he was overdrafted, but it doesn't matter. We're not the ones making the decision. They put the draft capital behind him. Um, you know, Brian, Brian Dayball and the uh, the GM that they brought from Buffalo, they both liked him. They liked what they saw. They took a shot on him. Those guys are very, very creative play callers. They're, they're offensive geniuses. I think they're going to figure out a way to get the ball in his hands. And Steve Smith is the guy's wide receiver coach. So, like, you look at the Jags that were in that wide receiver room last year. Sterling Shepard probably isn't going to come back. He had the late season Achilles tear. Kenny Galladay is Kenny Galladay. If he's not catching touchdowns, he's absolutely worthless. And I think that his yeah. I think his best days are long behind him. He left his best days in the in the Motor City. And then they got Kadarius Tony, who was not reporting to camp, was going to be traded, hadn't picked up the playbook, and now he's the he's the favorite son. But I think that all this leads you to uh, opportunity for Wandale Robinson. And as late as he's going, he's basically free. Even if you don't draft him, you might be able to pick him up off the waiver wire. I think that he's a guy that you at least have to have on your radar. Yeah, no, uh, that's a great pick. That's a great pick. Um, okay, let's end it there, Mike. That's fantastic. So for those who enjoy what you're watching and listening to, please be sure to like and subscribe. Uh, we launched this new uh, fantasy football channel for DFS Army, so you can find all the season-long dynasty fantasy football-related content um, so make sure you subscribe and hit the alerts button so that you know we're going live. Uh, over at tfsarmy.com, there's a link in the show description. You can go and get a lot of free content. There's articles that are out there, and there's going to be uh, pretty much information on anything and everything you'd hope to read about with uh, season-long fantasy football, underdog, dynasty, We've got a ton of stuff over there at DFS Army. And if you like what you're watching and you want to go and uh, win in some of these tournaments, take a shot. Sign up. There we uh, Follow the promo code below. There's a um, a 10% off your first month. And look, it's you won a few of these uh, DFS contests, and it will pretty much pay for itself. So go do that now. 
And thank you so much for sticking with us. And um, we made it through it, man. The COVID shows. For, for everybody <laughs> going to the COVID show. So we did it. That's it. So for Mike, uh, I'm Shane Seeley, and we are, of course, the DFS Army Fantasy Football Show. See you later. Thank <laughs> you.